you know, on one hand, I, I've always been interested in the idea of uh, bully, bullying and, and those kind of roles we played at school yeah. and uh, can, can remember, you know, incidents of being on both sides of those things and, and learning at a, quite a young age that I, I should never be cruel to anybody else because of how it makes you feel when it happens to you. But so interested in that, that general subject matter. But um, I, I got excited about m- making a movie or writing a script about it when I thought, how do those roles affect people through the rest of their life? And rather than tell a story that was set in a high school or whatever, to, to, to write a story that was set with people my age and, and using that concept of what would it be like to run into the person that you treated very badly when you are at school or, on the flip side of that, what would it be like to run into the person who bullied you? See, you're done with the past. The past is not done with you. Welcome to Speak All Evil, the podcast you were warned about. I'm Trent, here with Kevin, Kat, and Dave. Hello. Hello. Hi. This is the week. We're finally here. (laughs) This weekend is Halloween weekend, and you know what that means for us. Saturday night, October 29th at Aura in Portland, Maine, we are going to be hosting Halloween, the show formerly known as Purple Brains. We are your hosts. There's going to be... We are your hosts. We are your hosts. There's going to be lots of music. Why are you still laughing? <laughs> the more you say it, the, the more... Uh, are you hard... having a stroke? <laughs> possible. Very possible. <laughs> it, it just sounded like a tongue twister. I was uh, lots of that. music. There's going to be a costume contest. Huge prizes. We were just talking about first place, $100. Second place, $150. No, first place, $500. No, I'm sorry. Yeah, you yeah. are having a stroke. We Other need, way around. I need, Wait, I'm other not way worried around. about you. Okay. Well, I was trying to... Okay. Third place, $100. There we go. Second place, $150. First place, $500. Hundo. Wow. Too and, much. And we don't, we don't qualify, I guess. Can we enter the costume contest as the hosts of the evening? Well, we're the judges. The MCs. So I'm pretty sure so? that... We're walking away with all the money. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm just going to show up dressed as my mom naked and win, take mm. all that money. <laughs> I feel like if there's a tie, we just take the money and, and get out of there. I think I would I would want to talk more about that, but they've already uh, they've already announced it. Five hundred bucks if you think you got what it takes. Uh, Twenty dollars, eighteen plus. Go to oramain dot com and uh, get tickets. Find out more about the show the next night, Halloween Eve, Sunday night. Very exciting night for us. It's our third film screening. We're going to be at the Ephodian Theater in Portland, Maine. We're going to be showing the 1982 Frank Henenlotter classic, Basket Case, one of our favorites. We're also going to have a costume party, and we're going to have a costume contest of our own. Yeah, you get like a beer? I don't know. Yeah, 20 bucks. (laughs) I'm going to give out hugs. You're going to get a hug. No, we'll, we'll have prizes. It might be a Speak All Evil hat. 
It might be the extra Blu-ray that I've got lined up Ooh. on backup. Who, who knows what the uh, the prize will be? But if you if you come to uh, Ephodian on Halloween Eve and watch Basket Case and you dress up and you win the contest, you will get something. I guarantee it. Mm. I guarantee it won't be $500. No. But it could be almost as good as $500. This week, you're done with the past, but the past isn't done with you. Two stories of two men who think that they've left the past behind, but the past catches up with them in each film this week. We're going to start with one of my favorite movies all time, Cachet from 2005, written and directed by Michael Haneke, one of my favorite writers and directors. This is uh, uh, on Tubi for free. I would recommend renting this one VOD. It's two straight hours full, and I can't imagine commercials in this one, although, Kevin, I understand you watched it on Tubi. Uh, This is the story of Greg and Anne Laurent and their young son, Pierrot. He's like a tween, I would say. They're an upper-class French couple living a placid routine, maybe a little bit dull lifestyle. They're kind of cloistered away from the world. Any Concerns. They're very protected and protected from the world around them. George is uh, a TV host. He hosts a talk show on French public television, and Anne works at a publishing house. Everything is very calm and serene and routine until one day a videotape shows up on their doorstep. The videotape is a two hour still shot of the front of their house. And that's how the movie opens it's a five minute still shot of the front of their house. And you don't really know what you're looking at while the credits are rolling. And then they start talking to each other and the tape starts rewinding. Similar device used in in funny games. Haneke likes to play with that kind of stuff. Um, After that, more tapes keep showing up of the front of their house. It's very creepy. Then drawings start showing up, childlike drawings of violence, uh, figures bleeding from the mouth, chickens getting their heads cut off kind of upends their whole world and turns into this kind of anonymous campaign of terror. Georges claims he doesn't know what's going on. Is that true? We find out throughout the runtime. I love this movie. Um, I hadn't seen this since probably shortly after it came out. And uh, this there is a spoiler. I don't want to talk about the very last scene. It's not really a spoiler because you don't really get those with Haneke. But the very last scene, I'm interested to see what people thought of. I had to watch it again a couple years after the first time when I found out what that last scene was uh, to fully get it. And then I haven't seen it since then. And I love this movie. Watched it a few times over the past week. Interested to hear what people thought about Cachet. I thought that this film was not very interesting, personally. Kind of boring, a little slow going. I think I'm just upset that it's Halloween yeah. and we were watching yeah. Halloween movies and then you threw... Yep. Thrillers in. Well, I got. I'll just explain it real quick. Yeah. Uh, I just had enough. We we did like four weeks. The last time it was my turn. We talked about speak no evil, straight horror, and yeah. then we, so we had the three weeks of Halloween. Yeah. And I just it was time for a little something Mix different. And I have been wanting to talk about both of these movies because mm-hmm. the second one is in part based on this one. So sure. I've been had this in my queue for a while, you and I thought this was my moment. Yeah. The art house is on fire. This is our time of year. Yeah. And yeah. you made and I us give watch. You... <laughs> You're in trouble. This French shit. Anyway, um, 
I honestly don't. I'm still confused about this movie. Um, and I read it all. I read the whole thing because it's in subtitles. So yeah. I had to really pay attention. Yeah. Um, I understand that the main character was an asshole child and like made it made a um, another child not have a more affluent life. But I guess I'm just confused how slash why everything else um, happened. Like why like creep this family out? Like who was sending the videos? I'm still confused about that one because yeah. everybody lies. So I can't wait to find that out. There was nothing else really like being done to them either. Like there were no murdered pets. Nope. There were no, you know, we thought maybe there was a child kidnapping, but no, that just ended up him being like, no, it's at my friend's house. It's cool. It's just, it's so slow going. It's a, um, it just didn't, I don't know. I didn't really care for this one. And it's movies like this that make me feel stupid. Like when I watch them, I don't know if that's me projecting um, or not, but it, maybe it's just too highbrow for me, Trent. Maybe your your taste in films is just a little higher than mine, which is fine. I, You know, we had that one spooky part with the blood, mm. and that was interesting. Mm-hmm. I liked that part without spoil. I don't know if that's a spoilery no, that's um, situation. That part was cool. And then I'm just still confused by by the rest of it. I honestly... It's movies like this that I'm excited to hear you guys talk about it because I'm like, well, someone's going to explain it to me probably at some point. So just thanks, guys. I'm just so glad that you're here. Oh, glad you liked it. The art house is on fire. (laughs) (laughs) All I kept thinking, Trent, is what have you done in your past that you're waiting to catch up with you? Vengeance. That's the theme that goes through a lot of these movies. All right, we, we really drove Trent off a cliff shoving Halloween movies down his throat. He's spiraling out of control. And now, like this movie, I, I want to read into your life a little bit. So I'm, I'm worried. First, you have a stroke, and now you're giving us movies about the past catching up with you. So The long vengeance. You know yeah. Mean? You plan yeah. for a long time like the long con, but it's vengeance. <laughs> no, this is a good one. I wasn't the biggest fan because I will basically copy Trent's comment from last week. I don't think I was in like the right headspace when I watched this. I was in like a very working a lot but also you know just scarfing down you know candy corn Halloween movies constantly like in rotation. So this was very jarring. Both of these movies were actually very jarring. That was kind of my and, and my I had idea. seen the yes. first one. However, you know, when I really started to get sucked into it, I was like, okay, this is giving me, like, you know, Lanthimos vibes. This is giving me... Remember the... I think... I don't think we talked about it on the show. I think it was a Patreon. Uh, La, La Llorona? Yeah. That we talked about? Yep. It gave me some Very of those similar. Yep. vibes just because of, like, the Algerian kinda war. Kind of weaves in some of the, some yeah, of the geopolitical it, it deals with stuff. Some of that. So when I started to, like, pull on some of those threads, I started to under enjoy it a little bit. Well, I don't want to say enjoy it. I was... You don't enjoy this movie. Don't you're, say that. Yeah, you're you just, like... It's not enjoyable. You're just watching it and trying to figure it out. Uh, one of the biggest problems I have with this movie, and I, I did get through it one and a half times, no music. No, Haneke doesn't use music. No music. No, that's that's for amateurs trying to cover up stuff that's boring. Okay, all right, easy there, <laughs> art house. I'm just saying that's what he says. Easy there, cinema. 
cinema. But overall, I think the questions that it raises are 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 great. I can't explain this to you, Kat. This is not one that I, as much as I try to research and read some articles about what Haneke was getting at. And, and by the way, like if you watch like like some British uh, interviews, uh, it's Mikhail Haneke. Like oh, he does a lot of interviews. Mikhail Haneke. Uh, I'm going to stick with Michael Haneke because you know. Because we're asshole Americans. Um, you true? speak English, so that's one thing. Yeah. We speak American here, yeah, pal. Speak asshole. I, this is not some sort of punching bag on us, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, guys didn't get it. But overall, I could talk about this movie for a very long time because I think that there are a lot of different things that you could pull out of what the, the character's actions are. End of the day, like Trent said, this is about the past catching up with you. And unlike the, the next movie, The Gift, that we're going to talk about, that sort of wraps itself kind of up. There is some stuff left up in the air, but it wraps itself up, and you sort of get the answers you're looking for. In this one, you definitely don't. You know, I think I know what's going on. I have a couple of theories. But, yeah, it's a, it's a long watch. This is a two-hour movie. Very, very slow. Uh, very dialogue-based. There is maybe 30 seconds of action in the entire movie. And, you know, if you like seeing chickens get killed, uh, you're going to love this movie. It's going to launch itself to the top of your list. But it's one a good chicken, one. It's, it's Kevin, a, one chicken it's gets a, killed. It, it, <laughs> yeah. but, it, but it's really killed. You know, this is not it's a PETA-approved film. No. Uh, but again, Trent, I say this a lot. It's not a movie I ever would have watched if you hadn't picked it for the show. I don't love the timing, but I do appreciate you having me watch this movie. Happy Halloween. Kill count this week <laughs> combined is less than the movie The Notebook. <laughs> On Halloween, Trent. Yeah, well. But cock-a-doodle-doo, the rooster gets it. (laughs) I was psyched about that. Uh, I liked the pace of this movie because I watched it multiple times, too, and I'd seen it before, and I kind of just soaked it in. And once you get acclimated to the pace and how you kind of just feel like a a fly on the wall during most of it, uh, you're also a voyeur. Yes. Um, Big Haneke thing. He loves to make you a voyeur. Yeah. And another thing that I uh, I didn't realize this, I read about this, but uh, the two main characters, George and Anne, um, that's the name of most of the main characters in all Haneke's movies. Yeah. It makes me wonder what, what George and Anne he could be referring to. What's in his past? But um, I could watch French actors act all day. It's just something that's it's a nonchalant quality that they have. There's a truth to it uh, that uh, I love. It and this this movie's great. I've I've always liked this. Uh, it's very bleak, and it centers around like cruelty and, and affluence. And I think it's interesting how it's uh, it could be a horror movie from two different perspectives because you have one guy who is orphaned by his family and he's abandoned and he's abused and he's discarded and you know eventually to the point where he's dead <laughs> uh and and then you have another guy whose social life is slightly upset his his dinner parties aren't as banging as they were before <laughs> uh and his family is a little <laughs> suspicious and that's the horror movie that we're watching is the one about 
the guy with the family and the dinner party and all that, and everything's all set. So I think it's cool how they, these two stories are being told, and you kind of get the feeling that you have empathy for both sides of it, and, and they, they're both told at the same time. I like that. Um, I like the, you know all the the, the classism, and uh, you know I don't know much about the history. Um, and, and the war with Paris and all that stuff, but, uh, you know, like colonialism and all that stuff. And I like, to, to me, as, as a character, and this movie, it starts off like really masculine, and then there's a point where George and Anne walk into the street and a cyclist goes by. And the cyclist almost hits him, and he like rises up and like talks his shit to the cyclist who immediately confronts him and bitches the fuck out of him and then from there on you have this suspicion of this masculinity of this alpha guy in the house and as soon as that suspicion starts then it like unravels any of his his good qualities like i think one of the things in uh both of the movies we're going to talk about this week is there are these endearing characters these charismatic charming people that are, you know, they have just intentions of getting ahead all the time. Sociopaths. And, and yeah, and like covering up their past. But I thought there were a lot of levels to this. And watching it multiple times, I definitely picked up different things throughout it. And it, and it was almost like, you know, like when you're, when you're binge watching a series and you really get invested in the characters. And then when it's over, you're like, oh, those are like friends that I don't have anymore. Especially French cinema you get that more where you get really connected to the people. I want to go to, the, this is dinner party week. I want to go to one of these dinner parties. Why doesn't anyone have dinner parties where we sit around and talk shit, drink wine? Is this not the oh. dinner party that you're You want to order, you want to order some Papa John's? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I got McDonald's French fries Yeah, we have there. some McDonald's French fries. Yeah, this is fun. It but I love this movie. I can also see why a lot of uh, people would not like this movie. I've, it's funny to hear your, your takes on it because I was blown away the first time I saw this and I was absolutely riveted watching it again. I, I find it to be, uh, I, I can't take my eyes off the screen. I find it to be so enthralling and so engrossing. And I just, I love following all the characters and trying to follow the story, which just weaves and weaves and bobs and weaves and just keeps you off balance the whole time. And I loved the whole idea of, not knowing what is film within a film or what is just until they rewind the movie. Yeah, you never really know. And there's there's an early scene where it cuts to George hosting his talk show and he's looking into the camera. He's wrapping up his talk show. Thank you for being with us. We'll see you next week. And the camera pans out. It's obviously that's the talk show camera that's in the movie. But then his assistant or somebody comes over to him once they've cut from air, comes over to him. Uh, says something in his ear it's that he's got a phone call you don't hear it but and he gets up and they walk and they go and he goes to take his phone call but the camera never cuts it never changes it's still the same camera that was a moment ago you know was in the movie it is plays with that stuff like the whole way and i still have questions about certain scenes that still pop into my mind and i'm thinking wait was that was that a tape or you know or was that in the movie so I, I, I find that stuff interesting, and I, I think of it as just as being about guilt and also um, lies and 
the English translation of the title is hidden. So it's a, I think it's about guilt and about surveillance and about watching, like you guys said, voyeurism, you know, things that you that you hide from people. Secret. But I thought it was interesting that the guilt in this movie on one level is is so minor. The the guilt is something that a six year old child did. A jealous six year old child who is worried about his his place in life. There's a quote um, from Majid, who he ends up confronting and thinks he's behind the tapes, who he knows from his childhood. There's a quote, what you wouldn't do to keep what's yours or, or something to that effect. And so I, I thought it was a cool spin. That it's not an easy answer. Like the next movie, it's very easy. Sociopath guy, you know, we'll talk about that. But in this one, it's not so easy to decide, does George deserve this kind of torment or not, and is he tormenting himself? Is it's not clear when you guys say you're not sure who sent the tapes. I don't. You don't really get an answer. I think part of it is just like, is this just his inner life? He's having these dreams. He feels guilty. He is. He is thinking about this thing that he did that affected. He was only six, but it affected someone else's life. So I thought that was interesting. Well, I think the tapes bring that out in him. Yes. So I think that so when you when you when you find yourself in that type of situation in life, I feel like when you're in a situation where you're thinking who could be doing this, you start to think about what you've done in your past that could bring this to right. you. So I think that's where the like after the tapes, that's where you see him start having the dreams, and so I think this is dredging things up. He's going through his Rolodex of sins. Right. And lands on something way back when he was a small child. I think both of the movies this week where they do excel is keeping you kind of like off balance as to exactly what's going on. And that keeps the tension up because at any moment you feel like something could increase. The violence could increase. Something could be revealed. And largely these movies, you know, the gift does a little bit more. It takes you a little bit more on like a roller coaster ride where like, okay, we're gonna, you know, we're gonna go around the Monopoly board and, you know, but but both of them at any time, you just you're just waiting for it to go full horror. And for cachet There's one. one There's one. Mm -hmm. But it's not like that. But yeah, it's not like that. It is shocking. Um, but it's honestly, it's almost like more like I kind of gasped. Yeah. But like I gasped. I, felt, I was like, but I was like, it hurt my heart. Like it made me feel just bad. Like yeah. it wasn't like gruesome or no. oh my god, classic horror moment. It was like that really tugged on my heartstrings. Right. Yeah. And I think both of the movies this week do a really good job at keeping you on the edge of your edge of your seat, keeping you on your toes, and being like, at any moment this could happen. We could go this cliche horror route, and largely they don't. Is it a spoiler to say that you don't get resolve at the end? No, you don't. Uh, That's the thing. You can't really say You can't talk about this movie theory. without like going. <laughs> I, I think, think we need to go into theory. Look, we, we give people a week to watch these movies. If you didn't watch the movie. That's right. Then we're going to talk about it. And some of them are complicated and we need to get our theories out. Kevin, you were, you were talking about whether the tapes started dredging up the guilt that was there and he started thinking about it or not. But I think one thing that is kind of weird is that some of the tapes don't seem possible to have been made. Some of the tapes, like the tape in front of their house, they get a couple of those and there, there's nothing there. It's just, it's just a street and they go and they look, there's nowhere for a camera to have been. Now mm-hmm. the car, the tape from of the car that could have been made. There's the tape inside uh, Majid's apartment. Certainly that could have been made, but I think there is a question about whether the tapes are even real or not. What do you mean? 
What do you mean? How was the tape in front of their house made? It, they investigate it thoroughly, and they're they're coming and going. There's a scene where a great scene where they show George coming home at night. It's after dark, and he gets out of his car. He parks it right where the camera is. He's parking his car, and he walks into his house. And you think that that's a scene of the movie, but then that turns out to have been a tape. He would have parked right by the the camera, and you know, it's George's mother. What? The line is of she... questioning that she had when he brought up Majid, uh, the way that she just stayed on that and tried to get a answer, like, why are you dreaming about him? Why are you thinking about him all of a sudden? And she said, something's wrong with you. I don't yeah. believe that everything's okay exactly. with you. Yeah, like, he, he made a point to show her not believing him. Right. She, he goes um, to see his uh, ailing but mother. But to me, it was her being coy. And Interesting. I didn't think of she that. was doing all this. Maybe she would have access to his apartment, a key. I don't. Maybe, they don't seem maybe like her they, nurse. Or she her, pretends to not know, really remember. Majid it doesn't seem as like well. they've seen each other in a long time. And but I, maybe uh, again, like Dave saying that maybe she's being coy. Yeah. Maybe. maybe she does keep in touch with him, or she has reconnected, and therefore she doesn't want George to know that she is reconnected with Majid. But right. what? What would she gain? I don't. I don't think she's she's on her deathbed. So again, this is like layers of right. guilt. Maybe right. she feels bad well, about the fact that this kid's parents. So his parents, right. they were uh, refugees from Algeria, and during the time of the Algerian War, his parents got killed in the war. They were going to adopt him, and George told a bunch of lies, and they sent the kid away. So right. on her deathbed, maybe she's feeling guilty thinking about right. that and yep. thinking sure. about, George, you're a little shit. Like. So that that's the story. The part that we didn't explain is that it, it turns out that when George was young, he made up a bunch of lies about this Algerian kid who was the son of his parents' servants who had been killed in the Seine River Massacre, which is a big part of, of the theme happened in 1961, and, and France denied it until 1998, denied that they had killed at least 40 people, if not two or 300. So that's kind of part of this whole like denial and guilt and then coming to, to admit it later. But George finally admits to his wife, much, much too late after he's lied to her the whole movie, that he told these lies about this kid who was going to be adopted by his parents, and the kid got sent away to an orphanage, and it ruined his life. And he does end up finding that man and confronting him. It's very sad what happens there. It's... You know, the fact that this movie was mostly just a bummer. Yeah. Maybe is why, you know, I wasn't super (laughs) invested in it. I forget there's some of the really hardcore stuff that you haven't watched with us. Yeah. Because there's some real French bummers. What's the Gaspar Noah one we watched? I feel like you you don't mind the actual, like, physical brutality as much. I feel like you don't like the emotional brutality. It's the emotional torment. It's because I'm an empath. We know this. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I am an empathetic person. And I guess going into this week when I heard it was French, I was like, well, get ready for, you know, some brutality. Some physical brutality. Oh, you, you were, ex- yeah, you were. So I was ready. You were thinking like martyrs. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I, I would yeah. rather watch <laughs> martyrs over and over again. I mean, it's just, I guess, I could give it a, a rewatch, just trying to keep figuring out what's happening here. But if you guys don't even know, then I'm probably up shit creek, to be honest. 
we we could go on for a long time trying to unravel this movie, and you guys didn't even care for it that much, so I don't want to. Like, <laughs> I love this movie. Uh, I'm talking about Kevin and, and Kat. No, I I appreciate this. I, um, I think I just wasn't. It's I just you know you took me from Night of the Demons to Cache. It, yeah, it wasn't it wasn't right. an easy transition. Yes, I like did. Yeah. It's an awkward Halloween. Yeah, did, you were right. I didn't like this. So movie. <laughs> I want to I want to just go to the end. It's not a spoiler. Did anybody get that final scene? That's a, a still shot again of the front of the school. No. Anybody see what happened there? Yeah. No. Majid's son comes up and talks to Piero. I didn't see that the first time I saw the movie and I had I had to go back. Um, so the question becomes maybe George and Anne's son was in on it with Majid's son. Which because I think, it, it shows, I think it shows the Piero leaving school and then um, it, that could be, could be the answer. It doesn't, although, again, although doesn't, like you say, Majid's son say. does give a very impassioned denial about having anything to I, do with I it. I kind of believe him that he didn't have anything to do with it. But again, we're talking about like childhood guilt here and Haneke's point could be like here's a whole new cycle of childhood guilt starting up. Exactly. And right, we know Pierrot is already mad at his parents. I think it might have just been Pierrot. And Majid's son goes to confront him at in that final scene saying, "What the fuck, man? You're ruining our shit." Uh, we're we're the suspects here, and you're doing this, and I know it's you. I think that's a possibility. And my only other question is, I started to think about that last scene, which is that still shot of the front of the school steps, very similar to the first scene, and I wonder if that scene was a tape. What if somebody was taping that scene? Uh-huh. Wow. I like that. Well, glad I could spoil the party, guys. <laughs> yeah, good job. Mission accomplished. Trent's like, hold my beer. Yo, pass those peeled grapes over here. Spooky spaghetti. All right, now for the crowd pleaser. This Ooh. is this is the one, I think. Uh, we're going to talk about a movie from 2015 called The Gift. This is on Netflix right now. Not to be confused with a movie from 2000 called The Gift, which was directed by Sam Raimi. Stars Keanu Reeves, Kate Blanchett, Katie Holmes. I remember liking that one, but this is not that. This is a new The Gift. This is written, directed, co-produced, and stars Joel Edgerton. More like Joel Edgerlord, in my opinion, because I was not prepared for how far... This guy will go to wrap up his movie. This is more of a straight thriller. It's it it is inspired by by um, by Edgerton's own account, in part by Cachet. He he kind of takes that the similar story, but whereas Cachet is sort of a art house movie exploring themes of guilt and all this stuff, this is just a straight thriller. You know, Cachet uses the thriller genre form to to do its thing but the gift is just a straight thriller that uses some of um some of that plot so this is another couple this one childless at the beginning of the movie jason bateman and rebecca hall star as simon and robin they've just moved to la from chicago simon has a new job and they move into a new house in the suburbs of la and lo and behold random chance i guess i guess not really they run into an old school chum of simon's named gordo played by Edgerton in an amazing turn, in my opinion. Gordo tries to, like, non-consensually befriend them and become their bestie. He starts showing up at their house unannounced, 
always when Simon is at work, coincidentally, he starts leaving gifts on their doorstep all the time. You know, these guys who are like, yeah, man, we'll catch up sometime. And you are into the fire at that point. So this is one of those guys. Some of the gifts are like too extravagant. He's too interested. He's just way too much. Uh, And this leads to some pretty severe discomfort. I thought there were a lot of similarities between this and Speak No Evil, that cringe, like so uncomfortable where they don't know what to do with this guy. And Mm -hmm. it's like getting to a point where they need to do something or they just spend the rest of their lives being Gordo's non-consensual BFF. Um, And it escalates from there. I really was not prepared for the ending of this movie. We won't spoil it. We can do a spoiler round, but let's not spoil the... uh, the final turn mm. in this. I love this one. I had never seen it. I only picked it because I ended up somehow reading that it was based on cachet in part. And I consider this kind of like cape cachet. <laughs> like if you took cachet and, and and you just put Bob De Niro in it trying to get revenge yeah. and, you know, th- that would be this movie. It strips away all the art house shit. I uh, had a really good time. I can't believe uh, this was made for only $5 million. I believe that's a great looking movie. And there's no like big effects or big sets or anything. The money obviously went to star actors and went to making the movie look really good. Um, this made $60 million. Wow. Where's the, the sequel? I never heard of this when it was out in theaters. I know. I can't believe it. for $5 million made sixty, and we haven't had a, a sequel yet. I would just real quick propose uh, I have a title for the sequel. Mm. Ready? The Regift. Oh, that's good. <laughs> it's a, it's a bread maker. Gifts. It's a bread maker that just keeps showing up. (laughs) Uh, Interested to hear what you guys thought of this. I have a problem with movies that have the same title. And I think people have just given up on making a a new title. Because I feel like a movie came out today called The Gift. So this, I said dinner party horror. (laughs) But uh, I also would say third wheel horror. Yes. I felt like, watching this, I felt like, me and Caitlin and you hanging out, uh, you know, and you come over to our house and stuff. It's like, oh my God, when is Trent going to go? We just want to have sex and this guy won't leave and he keeps eating our cheese. I don't think I've ever been accused of not leaving soon enough. <laughs> no, that's yeah, true. Right. That's true. <laughs> I, remember, I remember you at my house uh, once and we like went super hard and you woke up like the next afternoon at like 4.30 and there was porn on every computer and TV in the house. I and remember then, that and little then you prank. Just I remember <laughs> that little prank very well. That's not all that happened. I don't want to get into the whole thing. But, um, I can't I wait thought, to hear about it. I thought that uh, Joel Edgerton or whatever you're calling him uh, reminded me That's a lot. That's his name, Edgerton. Of, well, <laughs> you said you had some sort of allegedly. <laughs> yeah, allegedly. Now you said something about edging. Edgerlord. Edgelord. Right? Edgelord. Yeah. He reminded me of the antagonist in Killing of a Sacred Deer. Another yes. long vengeance movie that yeah. Trent picked. <laughs> and this also reminded me of Speak No Evil, which you just dropped a couple episodes yeah. ago. A couple. That like, was a month ago. I, I watch these movies and I start thinking like, when did I, have I wronged Trent at yes. some point? And is he going to get me? We're going to start getting just, tapes. He's just be- befriended me this whole time as a ploy to get me back for something that really steamed his jeans but um uh this is also gonna be juno 2 jason bateman jason bateman is not trustable he's not he's a bully he's a bully he he was then and he is now 
Uh, I like this movie a lot. I forgot Rebecca Hall was in it. Uh, she's amazing in this. Uh, this is like one of her best performances, in my opinion. And I already held her in very high regard. I love the dynamic between her and, and Gordo. Um, and it's, it's again, like we, we talked about like this uh, dismissive horror. If you describe like, whoa, what did he do? Well, he brought over a gift bag with wine in it. And yeah. He gave us a list of plumbers in the area and uh, some glass cleaner because we have fish. lots of windows. Yeah, he goes like too far and everything, but it's really hard to deflect these kind of guys. Yes, that really. I mean, I I fall prey to this guy. I mean, if I see some old guy looking for revenge from my past and he starts buying me shit and dropping off koi fish. I'm just like, bro, let's hang. You're, let's you're, go. Yeah. You're like Rebecca Hall in this. I've yeah, seen it a million I, I, times. I, I, you're, I, you, you fall for the con every time. But yeah, I thought I thought it, this is a great movie. Uh, it lacks some of the depth of cachet in that uh, you don't have the socioeconomical classism. You don't have the colonialism and all that stuff. Uh, it's just a white guy that's slightly less poor than another white guy. But I think that's also a thing. Like, you don't really know what happened to people after high school. Someone that was a total loser in high school could be, you know, successful now. Like, like you, Kevin. You're a poster <laughs> child. <laughs> uh, Flamethrowing to me. No. No, no me. Do me now. Do I just me said now. you were cool now. Uh, wow. No, but, but, you know, you never know what, what someone's going to end up like. Uh, so uh, when you see someone out of this in the context of like what what their uh, hardware store or something like that, um, but I, I like that and I like I like how he interjects himself into every scenario so smoothly and he has the best answer. His answer is always better than Jason Bateman's character's questions. Yes. He always rises up against him. Yep. and his his answers are always the gentlest, most patient answer ever and you end up feeling like a dick like yeah who's the bigger sociopath that's the question of this movie right yes it is who's the biggest right Rebecca Hall right because one is <laughs> one is hiding <laughs> one is hiding everything <laughs> and has clearly developed a personality where they can lie misdirect gaslight mm. the other one is constantly giving you clues dropping breadcrumbs but in that same sociopathic you know, so really, the, you know, there are two bad guys in this movie. Which one is worse? Right. Like that's the question you're left right. with, kind of at yeah. the end of the movie. Uh, I think that you know, for most of it, you're kind of focusing on Edgerton. Which I, I, so let me go back. I had seen this movie whenever it hit streaming. I think it's been on Netflix for a long time. I never knew that this was even like a theater release. I also, Dave, forgot that Rebecca Hall starred in this. And I would agree with Dave. This is one of Rebecca Hall's best performances. Really too nice, but like so like sad at the same time. Like she, she really does put on a, a good show. Overall, you know, again, you ruined my Halloween vibes. You're welcome. Yep, yep. Thanks for that, buddy. Um <laughs> But Ooh, it's buddy. I love watching these movies where somebody like Jason Bateman, who is typically one of the more likable actors that you could ever find in anything that he acts in. I love it when somebody comes and they give you a performance like in this movie where you're like, OK, like you have you have more levels as an actor like you are fucking sketchy. 
pretty suspenseful. This the, the house that they move into, it gave me like Goodnight Mommy vibes. Yeah, where yeah. like I never really had like an understanding in my mind because the way it was shot of how the house was even set up. And there were so many like glass, you know, like the glass. So like sometimes it looked like somebody was in the house, but they're outside of the house. And I never, you know, there's some creepy tape happenings in this movie, like Cache, which I'm I'm assuming yep, that, Edgerton that comes in at some right, point. Yep. Got right from Cache. That even confused me more. So I love that. I love that it was inspired by Cache. It was also inspired by the Vengeance trilogy. So old boy. And I, I got some I was like thinking about that one as I was reading about it and then it was like oh okay I can see that overall really suspenseful again another movie you think that it could go into various horror realms and it never quite does at the end it just leaves you feeling sunk Mm. and there's one big question that I think we'll get to for the spoiler round that is amazing uh, and I, you're right, Trent. I would have loved to have seen a sequel that maybe answers that question, but that's probably why we don't have one because Edgerton accomplished, I think, what he was trying to accomplish here. I didn't think this one was that bad. I enjoyed oh. this film. Wow. Oh, resting gift Thanks, face. Thanks, everybody. Resting gift face. Not that bad. You Not said. that wow. bad. Right. That's right. I said it here first. <laughs> Not that bad. Um, it's definitely more of a thriller, but I like a thriller. Um, not that it didn't have its scary moments, for sure. I think we all know which part I'm talking about. But I think I just enjoyed, like, casually watching this one. It didn't, well, it didn't cause me as much empathetic stress that you I'm used to when you pick these kinds of movies. This, it, you know, this... Uh, got a, sorry, we, we have a dog fight in the back. We're trying to <laughs> drum up a little extra cash in the studio here. And ladies and gentlemen, Michael Michael Vick. No, he still gets paid to play stuff probably. No, oh, give him a French fry. He likes the French fry. Cut off his head. Pet gets it. <laughs> so yeah, this one didn't give me, it didn't cause me the same empathetic stress that I'm used to when it comes to these, um, you know, stalker, invasion thriller uh types that trent usually makes me watch i don't know it was like less social awkward interactions for me like they were still weird it was like still very cringy to be a part of that and watch that but it was more tolerable for me in this one and i'm not quite sure why maybe because there weren't you know all these murderous you know kind of aggressive things going on yes he might have killed some fish. Eh, who really cares? Fish aren't that important. Yes, he might have lightly stolen a pet. We don't know. Or an estate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a whole estate of someone else. <laughs> um, you know, uh, could have pretended to live in a large mansion. Things like that. Um, but it just wasn't as uh, diabolical, I felt. Or so I thought, until you find out. This is absolutely the long con, for sure. I am wondering, though, like, do you think Edgerton, like, knew he was going to be in that store, or, like, somehow he just saw him and great, just yes. knew exactly who it was? No, like, it's a great question. Because I, I was wondering that. Because yeah. kind, he kind of makes it look like he kind of just, like, looks at oh, him. Oh, hey. Yeah. Like, oh. And I think in that moment, you kind of see his wheels turning of, like, oh, I could do something with this. Like, I don't think he starts off with 
the master plan, you know, that I think he kind of had. I think he might. I wouldn't say I loved this film. It wasn't like my favorite film, but I didn't hate it. I would watch it again to give it, you know, another try. I will say um, the scariest part for me of this film was Joel Edgerton's um, earring. It was scary. The one single. (laughs) It's gold. I'm kind of dumb because I didn't realize that Joel Edgerton directed this movie and wrote it. Makes it so amazing. You ever because look at the performance? You ever look at the credits when we? Do <laughs> I do. I do sometimes. Last week was a fact one. off. This yeah. week, Dave is Dave is taking the yeah. week off. Well, this one to me, it could easily be lumped in this like Netflix Black Mirror esque weirdo, yeah. like cheaper movie. It's slightly more sophisticated. I think it's than that better stuff. than. I think it's out of that realm. I think that this but is close. head and shoulders above that realm. Well, yeah. but I also. Dave, you mentioned not liking the title, and you just said weirdo. That was the original title of the film, and the studio made Edgerton change it. Terrible title. I'm glad they weirdo? did. Weirdo? Really? Yeah, I if like it was Gordo. called Weirdo, if that was just the name Gordo. of the movie. Gordo would be better. Should have been called Gordo. Oh, that's what Gumbo? You know what's funny? I didn't. I don't really know Joel Edgerton from anything else. Me I guess either. he's been in some stuff, but I was watching it, and Nick walked into the room. He's like, is that Joel Edgerton? I'm like, yeah. how the who is this man? Lots of stuff. Uh, he was just recently from our world. He was in A24's The Green Knight. Oh, okay. I like that. So I don't want to spoil the dinner scene yet, but I'm just curious if you guys knew the dinner scene twist. When the dinner scene began, did you know what the twist was going to be? Which when he scene? When he invites them to dinner. What the twist was going to be? Danger. He invites them to dinner at his house, and uh, it's a sprawling estate kind of thing. It's a really, really nice house, and I just thought right away, not his house, obviously. I was wondering if you guys had the same thought. As soon as he opened the door, and they were like, oh, nice house. He's like, oh, yeah. This old thing? I was like, yeah. I'm like, you don't. This. He he was like the guy in Speak No Evil that's like, oh, I don't believe in work. But he's got like this. He's got everything. I can 99.9% positively say that the first time I watched this movie, I wouldn't have picked up on that. I think because we're we're looking for these things so much more now, or at least I am, I'm looking so much harder that. I'm always waiting for the thing like, oh, yeah, no, Silence of the Lambs, not the not the right house. I know this trick. <laughs> this was the same thing, like not his house for sure. Mm. Jason Bateman, amazing in this, like you said, Kevin, to see him play the role that he plays where you watch him gradually. I didn't think there was like anything wrong with him at first. It's very gradual. I thought that was very skillfully done. Over the course of the movie, you see the dark side more and more and more. And as it turns out, very similar to Cachet, he has a dark history with Gordo. He basically did kind of the same thing that George did in in Cachet. He made up a lie about Gordo, which got him almost killed by his own father Mm -hmm. and sent away. uh, And he's been in and out of jail ever since. Ruined his life. Same, Same thing. But it shows him doing the same, he's doing the same things now in life. Right. So Simon's up for a potential promotion and he does this, he repeats his sin from the past yes. where the other person that could get this promotion 
he totally slanders him and makes up a bunch of shit about him. Right. And that all comes to a head he, too. He's way so. more evil. Right. It's not like the the gray areas and the questions about uh, about Cachet. He's a sociopath. Bateman plays a sociopath, Simon, this movie. That's all just laid out there. There's no question about it. And he's sort of getting his just desserts. I feel like that's another twist where mm -hmm. he gets this promotion. This is kind of, I think there's a number of twists in this movie. I think it's, they show like two different kinds you know, of the of the sociopaths. You got the ones that are the Jason Batemans who are kind of not looked down upon in society. They're probably just like, oh, well, you got to do what you got to do to get ahead. Am I it's right? Ha -ha, yeah. Yeah. Um, and then you have, you know, the kind of a little bit more crazy pants, um, stalker issue <laughs> ones. So it's like, which one? You know, we were talking about this before. Which one is worse? I, I like how he plays it like a salesman. Like Joel Edgerton's character is like, it's not as smooth as Jason Bateman. Like, as soon as you see him, you have suspicion. It's off-putting. Yeah. yeah. It's, he's strange. There's just something strange about him. But again, he's just giving you no reason to, like, you know, be mean to him. Or But Simon did something terrible to Gordo. He knows exactly who he is. Yeah. S exactly as, uh, who he George. is and what he did. And yeah. he is right from the get-go playing it off to his wife, Robin. Right. And just, I, I, I don't, don't really know. remember I don't that know. guy. Right yeah. when they see him in the store the first time, he's like, I didn't even know. Who, one of the first things he says is they walk away from that quote unquote chance encounter. He says, I, I didn't even know who that guy was for the first half of that conversation. And it's like, he's already setting the stage to deny everything that could come out from his past. Final twist took me by surprise. I was not, because this movie as... You know, as great as it is, it is pretty safe all the way through. There's nothing that's terribly, you know, there's no brutal violence. There's nothing even terribly emotionally brutal. It's a pretty straight ahead, like you could watch this with the family. And I usually say that in a joking way, but you could actually, there's nothing that goes on. And then at the very final end, mm. the final thing that Gordo does is so over the top. A major respect to Edgerton for <laughs> actually writing that. Yeah. Following through with that and getting that made, amazing. But the real twist is that he may not have even done it. You don't know. That's the real twist. To right. me, yeah. at first, because you see the monkey, and I love the monkey fear thing yeah. that, that uh, Simon is has a, has a <laughs> fear of monkeys. <laughs> oh, hey, Dave, we're watching The Gift right waiting. now. So, yeah, it turns out at the end, Gordo... Trent. We're watching it right now. I know, I know. It turns out <laughs> at the end, Gordo may or may not have impregnated Robin. No. It's all in the eyes. Well, right. I, I like the line, and especially where he wrote this, this is amazing, but the line at the end where he says uh, something about like lies or this is what happens when you poison people's minds. Right. Which is essentially yes. what happened to him. What's, that's what happened to him. Exactly. So, like, I, I thought that that was the ultimate twist. It was like, oh, maybe he's just, this is honest vengeance. He hasn't really done anything. And to the be clear, movie. the question isn't whether he had an affair with Robin, which at some points I was wondering mm -hmm. if they were going to start gonna having smooch. an affair. But she, she passed, he poisons her. He gets into their house eventually and he poisons her and she passes out. And he makes this videotape that he sends to Simon which implies that he assaults her when she's passed out, and that might be the child. And he leaves Simon just to wonder. He says to her, like, maybe I did, maybe I didn't. Um, I'm, you know, like you said, Dave, I guess that's what happens when you poison people's minds. I don't think he did. 
Yeah, I, I think he's the better man. In the end, I think that he... I, I don't know if he drugged her or if she drugged herself. Well, he did. He, he did. did. The he Gatorade. Did. The Gatorade. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Could, well, why do you think that? Because he mentioned Gatorade at his house? He shows it in the video. He, he shows himself oh, right. shaking I the Gatorade bottle. Yeah, the right. video kind of like wraps everything up, and right. then it shows him like getting on top of her. Well, I don't so, think he did. I think he's... I think, again, he keeps saying, you know, I was willing to let bygones be bygones and he's just literally just looking for an acknowledgement and an apology from Simon to him for what he did in his past right. and I think he's proving he's not the type of person that could do something like that Kat what did you think about the uh, final twist do you think he did it or do you think he didn't do it I don't think he did it I think he reveled is that the word yeah cool I think he reveled in the fact that he knew that Simon's life is just destroyed now. Right. He ain't got no job. He ain't got no wife. He maybe she's he ain't got no already. kid. Like yeah, because yeah, she's our. He's got no house. Like so. I think in that moment he knew that he had won. And you know, I don't think he was the kind of person. I mean, I th- I th- he was I th- a shitty person, but I yeah. don't think he was the type of person to do that. I think he genuinely liked her. Because in all the recordings that he took of them, like she never says she anything. She never bad says about anything bad yes. about him. She genuinely liked this yep. this person. So I think yeah. that he was really just out to get. I Simon. guess I, I would agree with you guys. I didn't really have a, a stance, but I think you're right, Dave. The idea eventually is that he is the the better man. I think they set it up so that if the first encounter, and we wouldn't have a movie if this had happened, but if when he first encountered him and again cat i love your theory of maybe he was following simon all along and kind of mm-hmm. knew that he moved back in town and was sort of like catching up mm-hmm. you know stalking him a little bit i th- i feel like they set it up for gordo's character to say if when they had first met if he if simon had said let's catch up and like taken him out for a beer and said i'm so sorry about what happened in our past None of this would have happened. Yeah. Would have been a short film. Mm-hmm. My, my favorite part is the alley scene where the vengeance is revealed uh, by Gordo, kind of like when he's in the alley and he's, he was doing like hosting a trivia night or yeah, something yeah. really lame. <laughs> yeah. And then um, Simon like, you know, ends up like roughing him up and like maybe not breaking his arm or doing something. He's in a sling later. But I like how after that, Simon goes back to Robin and Robin's asking how the apology went, and he goes, he was just so appreciative. <laughs> he was <laughs> just what? layers. It's all in the eyes. Next week, it's a listener request week. Mm. We got a couple requests from Nick. Thank you, Nick, very much. We appreciate it. Um, Nick wanted to uh, hear about Tusk from 2014, now on HBO or VOD. I've re-seen that. Oh... Kevin Smith directed film. And also we're going to talk about Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors. Also on HBO, also though on Tubi and VOD. Thanks, Nick.